just before Neil Smith, this is Neil Smith. Can we give a little more volume? This is, this is Neil Smith who leads the Lender Road Baptist Church. There we are. Um, and so if, just before he comes and speaks, and we'll give him a warm welcome, just, uh, we want to have a, uh, just a reading com- related to the, the message this morning. So uh, Sarah's going to read from us from Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold? I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Will you join with me and give a warm welcome to Neil? Well, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. Last time I was with you was for that pyromaniac conference we had. Ben, if you remember... He designed the, the paperwork. But what we did, we shared a good time together. We had Sandy Miller with us and we were blessed. We had a good time together. Well, I enjoyed it. Maybe you didn't, but I did. And uh, I think we had good worship. We had great words. And we had some good ministry together. But what should the legacy be for us here in Lowestoft? Having had a Pentecost time together. If we're going to have a lasting legacy of a Pentecostal church here in Lowestoft. What's it going to look like? So what I've called this morning's message is, what does a church look like? What should this church look like? What should London Road Baptist Church, what should the churches look like in Lowestoft if we're going to understand the true understanding of Pentecost? I don't know if you heard the story of the parrot that used to swear and it used to curse. And uh, when people used to come into the owner's house, the parrot used to start, and it used to abuse the guests of the house. Well, in the end, the owner of the parrot said, look, if you swear one more time, if you're rude one more time to the guests, I'm putting you in the freezer. And you're going to have half an hour cool town time in the freezer. So a ram came, a next-door neighbour, and the parrot starts again, cursing and abusing and insulting the guests. To the house. So the owner said, that, that's right. I've warned you once, I've warned you twice, I've warned you a third time. You're going in the freezer for half an hour. So he grabs the parrot by the neck and he puts it in the freezer. Half an hour later, he opens up the freezer and the parrot's totally reformed and apologizes profusely for his past behavior. And then looking back into the freezer, the parrot says, I've got to ask you one question. What did that chicken do? 
But we, like the parrot, need to be confident proclaimers, not of abuse, but about this Jesus story that somehow we have discovered. But to do this, the Bible would teach us that we need this enabling power of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done. Church cannot be church without the Holy Spirit. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. This isn't some kind of optional extra. This is the destiny of the true church. And so we need this enabling power. Maybe some of you here need to rediscover that power. I'd certainly want to say that the church in the United Kingdom needs to discover it, and many churches probably need to discover it for the first time. But others have become complacent with the whole concept. You see, when the Bible talks of being filled in the Holy Spirit here in Ephesians 5.18, the Greek word means to be continually filled. It says, be filled with the Spirit. We could translate that to say, be continue and continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason we need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit is that I don't want to be a bit improper here, but most of us leak. Because what we intended to be in the week, we've actually not quite achieved. I'm, I never am totally satisfied with my week. This is hurting my ears here. This is this coming. Is it making my ears look big? Because whatever we've given Ben will increase his attractiveness, and you're just pushing my ears out and having a laugh. Is that better? And the book of Acts, time and time again, speaks of the many wonders and miraculous signs done by the apostles and the early believers in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is only a charismatic church in the New Testament. There isn't another kind of a church. The only time actually, well that's not quite right, because the only time a non-charismatic church is mentioned in the New Testament is when we get to Revelation. And it says that the church, that's neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spew it out. And so there is only one model of church to be. And here in Acts 3, we're giving this detailed account of a lame man who was healed at this gate, ironically called the beautiful gate, here at the temple. And we're not only called to witness this great miracle, but we're also invited to listen and respond to what ends up being Peter's second sermon. And so on the day of Pentecost, this power of God turned these despairing, fearful men into dynamic disciples. That Greek word, dynamis, is a guy that Nobel says, I'm going to call this explosive force, dynamite. It's got that same root meaning. And they'd receive this dynamis, this dynamite Holy Spirit, and it doesn't end there. They're then clothed with this power from on high. But why was this power given? And this power from God seemed to have two principal purposes. One, to enable people to become what God's destined them to be. It enabled personal transformation. We cannot expect this corrupt by me world to be anything rather than what it is without the power of the Holy Spirit to transform. We can't even begin to moralise on the lifestyle of those people 
who are powerless to change. We can't just point out and say you need to be different without giving an enabling power to be different. There's a call on your life to be different because there's a potential to be different when the Holy Spirit enables you to be transformed. And secondly, it's given for powerful witness so we just don't become a holy huddle. So we can transform the lives of these people who we meet. This is not church. Church is out there. This is but an enabling auditorium to get on with church. Power to become the sons of God and power for kingdom building. To be witnesses to an entire world. And Pentecostal power enables us to reach out and not hold back on engaging others with this Jesus message. And in our reading today, we see the power of God healing human life. We see other people observing this event and touched by this Pentecostal power. And in this story, a lame man who begged is at the gate called Beautiful. And this man is healed physically, but the message of this text is not limited to physical healing in any way. Now, just to add, I'm a Yorkshireman, and I know that sounds a little bit thick, but just to add a little bit of class to my preacher here, this is how... Nicholas Prasson paints it. And if you ever see this painting in the British Museum, you'll see that he tries and uses colours that were counterintuitive to what art was like. He didn't know it was trendy. You see, you, you just thought I was some thick old northerner. There's a bit of culture in here. But this message deals with human healing on every level. And the scripture isn't short with its word. They say that this man was a 40-year-old man. And the scriptures want to say that he was crippled from birth. We're not going to have half a story here. We're going to say, if we're going to do this healing, we're going to make sure it's not just a bad back that feels good. It's not just a bad day that's lifted. We're going to have something radical here that can be tested and can be authorised as a, a credible act of God. And he's never been able to stand and walk or run and play like the other boys. And now he's a grown man. And every day his friends must carry him to the temple so that he can beg for a living. He was born that way. He'd never known the freedom of going anywhere without having to ask others to carry him there. And so in one sense, this early miracle we get in Acts symbolizes all humanity as we struggle with the tragedies of life. And I want to say that everywhere we look, in this community here in Lewisdorf, there is human hurt. There is human suffering and there's human tragedy. And sometimes it may be physical affliction. Sometimes it's a mental turmoil. Sometimes it's a spiritual barrenness. But it's all around us. But I want to say that a church with Pentecostal power can make a difference. And a liberal social church cannot make any difference. Because that's the only kind of church that we should be involved in. And how many do we pass every day that are crippled by economical situations? They don't know what to do with their children. Or their marriage is falling apart. Or their job's hanging on a thread. Or they struggle with just low self-esteem and think... However they are is how they'll always be. And so they'll go through the cycle of guilt and depression. Because every person has a story to tell. Because if the truth be known, we've all been hurt. 
We've all been used, we've all failed, and we all need healing. And when Jesus comes, the biggest need is met of any human being. Because the word of God would say, what good if a man inherits the whole earth but loses his soul? And so we're not called to be some kind of social organisation. We're called to be a transforming church that can make an eternal difference to people, to men and women and boys and girls. And the church was empowered with Pentecost to help people receive a touch from God and know him personally. And every day this man was brought to the temple to beg. It was the most he could hope for. He's living on the sideline of life. He'd never heard the good news. He couldn't get into church. And he thought, well, all church people are any good for is a handout. This is really a first century food bank. We've got people in our community that think the only thing the church is good for is giving human provision. I'm not saying that's wrong. But it's not the whole story. What good if you give a bag of food to a person and they're full this week and they're empty the week after? And unfortunately, this man's attitude is the attitude of many. They hurt, but they go and hurt in silence. And sometimes they end up near a church. But for 40 years, the church hasn't made any difference to this man's life. He's been there for 40 years. And so, for real needs to be met, we must introduce people to Jesus and not some social action and to the power manifest through the Holy Spirit to authentize the whole lot. And many of these people come and they look at us and from the gate they just view a self-righteous group of people. But even if they have a good view of the church, they, they lack the motivation to get out of bed on a Sunday morning. And so they go to the Sunday market to buy more stuff to put on eBay and cycle it round. And so there's five things I believe a church with a blaze, with Pentecostal power ought to do. I believe these are the five characteristics or what it is to be church. I want to say that a church with a blaze, Pentecostal power, ought to raise the level of expectancy. We have become complacent with what it is to be church. Here it says, One day, Peter, I'm hoping it's going to come up. Oh, I'm glad it has. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Peter stopped and he said, look at us. What do people see when they stop and they look at you? Peter wasn't afraid to say, look, look at me. I don't know what you think about me. I could probably look at me. My wife would say I'm a bit too fat. But does anybody see Jesus in me? What do people see when you go to work, when you go to college, when you talk to your neighbour, 
I think it's a reasonable question. What do you see? And verse 5 says, the man expected to receive something from them. It says there, so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He didn't know what he was going to get. He probably thought it would be money, but his faith was quickened by Peter's word. There was something about Peter. There was something about Peter different to the 40 years of people he'd asked for money. There needs to be something different about you if you're going to get people's attention. Expectation is necessary to be used by God and to receive anything from God. You must expect it. Peter and John knew they'd read the Holy Spirit and so they expected something to happen. They didn't know they were flying by their pants at this stage. That's what they were doing. They were going to give this Holy Spirit a go to act and make themselves vulnerable. And so they raised the man's level of expectation. And sometimes, because we say we believe in a powerful God and we don't have a level of expectation, we never fly by our pants and we never see a healing because we never put our reputations on the line and say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, sort out the problem. And so we pray these safe prayers. And we act within the boundaries which are limited by our own feelings of inadequacy and failure. And we fail to believe in this supernatural God who builds us out. So they raise the level of expectation. Those who have received the power of the Holy Spirit should expect to be used. And we must help people raise their level of expectancy. God will meet you. I want to say that God will meet you this morning at your level of expectancy. And some of you will have planned what you're going to eat. I'm a Baptist minister at three o'clock. More than you expected God to act in this service. What is your expectancy when you came here this morning? Have you expected to have a transformation experience with God this morning good your name is John I like you John I want to make this clear I like John John are you on the leadership team you should be and when I see Ben this week I'm going to say Ben listen to John she's a full box of chocolates Thank you, John. Maybe we could just change that word expectation to faith. And I think the church today has lost its faith in God. Secondly, a church with a blaze Pentecostal power ought to be an instrument of healing. This should not seem as an odd event. God healing human beings is normal. He's in the healing business. So when Peter got the man's attention... First, he admitted, he said, I might not have what you want. You ain't going to meet the needs of people in Lowestoft. 
on their perceived needs. But he says, I have what you need. (laughs) And you don't have what people want, but you own what people need. And at first glance, we can offer this community what they want, but we can offer them what we need. And Peter said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have, I give to you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. You see, they had received the power and now they were partakers of the divine nature. God blesses you so you can give something away. We believe in a Jehovah Jireh, a God who gives. And we need to mimic that. Our God is not a keeping God and we shouldn't be a keeping people. We're a giving people. And so they were instruments of healing power. And Peter could only give out what God had entrusted with him. I want to tell you, if you try and hang on to the Holy Spirit, a lot like manna, it'll go rotten. And so it is with us. If we do not possess first that living relationship with Jesus and daily be asked to be filled with his Holy Spirit, we'll never be instruments of his power. We'll run dry. You can only give away what you have. I just want to say, if you give away what you don't have, it's called theft. You try it in Marx's. You only give away what you own. And the apostles didn't have silver and gold, but they had the power of God. You see, what we need in the church is not more policies. We don't need more possessions. We don't want more procedures. We certainly don't want any more political correctness because I'm sick of that being a Baptist. But what we need is more power. We're called to be a people that demonstrate power. Power to touch people's lives with the presence of the living God. Power to reach out to people and live them out of their tragic circumstances and give them hope and healing and friendship and fellowship. And so there it is in verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. A church with Pentecostal ablaze power must raise the level of expectation and must become an instrument of the healing power of God. And equally, as we've heard from street pastors, in that process, at times, stretch out and give a helping human hand to initiate the whole process. Thirdly, a church... I'm going to have a drink. I always think it's awful when I can drink and you can't. I've got another cup for sale. Does anybody want it? A church with a blessed Pentecostal power ought to be and ought to cause great joy. There he did in verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. The man who'd never walked in his life stood up with a leap and he didn't quit leaping. The man was changed. Not only was he healed, but he experienced a joy that he'd never experienced in the past. And the scripture says, and he went with them into the temple courts. He was on the outside. He went into the temple courts because he discovered this God who loved him. 
He'd been an outsider, but the word of God says, suddenly, I'm going to go into that building. I'm not going to go in there to have a handout and have a food parcel. I'm going to go in there and know more about this God. It happened outside. And so often we think we've got to bring people in here to convert them. We bring people in here to confirm them. I'm not an Anglican, by the way. There we are. Sorry, that's rude, isn't it? But my background's Anglican, by the way, so I can do that. I was confirmed, actually, by David Watson. There's something in your pedigree. Ooh. I was married by David Watson. Ooh. But I'm still baptised. I've got every base covered, actually. <laughs> My mum was a Catholic. I went to a Methodist youth group. I got baptised, confirmed in the Anglican church, baptised in the Baptist church. So I'm sorted, aren't I? I've got all, all bases. <laughs> All bases covered. That wasn't helpful. I've gone off my notes now. And so this man was changed and he ends up inside the church because someone cared enough to reach out to him in the name of Jesus. His life had been transformed and he was excited and so were the other disciples. Sometimes I have to go to churches and I have to say, look, it's okay to be excited. I don't know if you like me, but I, 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 we used to have this thing called the Baptist Times. It, it's, it's very good if you can't sleep. It, it's it's, a, it's a, a weekly magazine. It, it, it's now no longer um, produced, uh, but it used to have a little section in the back that if you was visiting another town, it, it would list Baptist churches you could visit on your holidays. And it used to often say, we, uh, a warm welcome awaits you. And two or three times, I felt like going to trading standards and saying, <laughs> you know, I, you've got me here under false pretenses. Uh, and sometimes we, we get people into these churches by false pretenses because we say we'll have a warm welcome and we'll have a good time. And we bore people stupid. Uh, and, you know, I just want to say it's okay to be excited. You know, if only one-tenth of what you believe about Christianity is true then maybe we ought to be ten times more excited than we are. And a church with a blaze, Pentecostal power, ought to be a joyful place and be a source of great joy and excitement over Christ. Fourthly, a church with Pentecostal power ought to experience signs and wonders. I want to say that affirm. That's my background. That's my pedigree. I don't understand a church that is suspicious of signs and wonders. I can understand a church that's cautious of some people who claim signs and wonders, and that's why you have a good leadership like Ben and others. And together we discern it by their fruits you'll recognize them. And so look, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. And there was this immediate twofold effect. The people were convinced that God was now at work. That there was more to this thing called religion than ritual. That there was a God at work. And this miracle was done in the name of Jesus. 
You know, we're Jesus people. We are not a faith community. This is politically correct jargon. And they will want to label us along with everybody else and say, what's the faith community doing in Ipswich? Oh, we're in Lowestoft, aren't we? <laughs> Near enough. I used to be in Ipswich. That's age. Or eating cheap beef burgers. And it's... <laughs> but we should be recognised as a Jesus people. Because it's the name of Jesus that will make a difference. Never be called a faith person. You be known as a Jesus person. And when people are convinced that God is at work and that Jesus is involved, they will listen to his message. And so because Jesus was given the glory, people all said, I'm willing to listen. And so we know that Peter told them about Jesus. And Peter preached for the rest of the evening and nobody left. And God was working with them, confirming their words with signs and wonders. And people still today need to experience an immediate presence of God. And somebody should not come in here on a Sunday without having the opportunity to experience the presence of God. Otherwise we've failed. We've become a human institution. A church with a blaze Pentecostal power ought to raise the level of expectancy. A church with a blaze Pentecostal power ought to be an instrument of healing. A church with a blaze Pentecostal power ought to cause great joy. And a church with a blaze Pentecostal power ought to experience signs of wonder. And finally, never trust a Baptist minister when he says that. But it sounds good. And finally, a church with a blessed Pentecostal power ought to be a living witness for God. This man needed the same thing that all people need, a touch from God. And the power of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a believer made available to him. And the church was filled with a blessed Pentecostal power to be instruments used by God to lift fallen humanity who are hurting in silence, crippled in pain, and don't even realise what they need. And so they sit on the sideline of life asking for arms and silver and gold. And this story is a remarkable pattern for what a church filled with the blaze Pentecostal power ought to be doing. We're called to be witnesses to a lost world. We're called to be the fishers of men. We were never called to be the keepers of an aquarium. This is the aquarium. But we're called to be the fishers of men. And our lost world here in Lowestoft, those who live in our neighbourhood here in Lowestoft, they may be mobile, they may be affluent, they may seem to have everything they need, but the truth is things are not always what they seem. Because the down and out and the upward mobile have at least two things in common. They are both human and they both have deep needs. And even inside every one of those nice houses sitting in our community here in Pakefield are people who hurt, are people who have unmet personal needs. And many of those people have their own story of human tragedy which they could tell and every one of them needs a touch from God.
And how do I know this? Because you and I, if the truth be known, are part of that story. And we got involved in this thing called church because somehow we discovered this touch of God and he's made a difference in our lives. And the church is the change agent that God has chosen to bring this change. And so a church with a blessed Pentecostal power ought to raise the level of expectancy, be an instrument of healing, cause great joy, cause an unbelieving world to experience signs and wonders and be a living witness for God. And Peter and John left us a pattern of witnessing of what church should be like. This is what church should be like. Anything else is a con. It's not church. They left us with a blueprint. I want to say that true witnessing always follows this pattern. First, God works. God does something. God changes a life. And God does something that only God can do. And I want to be part of a believing community that allows people to see a God that does things that I cannot do. Because I want him to get the glory. Because if we're only part of a church that's got a social plan, then people will believe in us. But we need to be pointers, just like Peter was and just like John was. And then the second thing is that people wonder then witnesses explains what God did. The person tells what happened. He saw what he experienced and demonstrates the result. When people look at you, they should see a difference. They should see you before and after. And that becomes the basis for others to experience it. That's why Peter says later on, as the church develops, he involves the whole church. He says, look, uh, I did this with John, but it doesn't end with us too. And so he says to us as a people, as he said to his own church there 2,000 years ago, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. and Give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and do it with respect. So what about you personally here this morning at Lowestoft Community <coughs> Church? I just want to say, are some of you here like this lame man? Perhaps you've been lying at the gate looking for help and you don't expect any more than a friendly hand or a little help on the way. Don't you see this as another Sunday morning service? I think God wants to do some things this morning with some people here. God has so much more for you. Not for the person next to you. God has so much more for you. You're worth so much to him. That's why he wants to use you. This God has great plans for you. Not just lower stuff. This God has great plans for you. No matter what journey you've been on, this guy had been in chaos for 40 years. I want to say that some of you, you come with a mask on. 
And you think you're limited because of the journey you have been on. And that somehow God has passed you by. And so you're just going to hang in there with a frivolous consumer kind of Christianity instead of a dynamic Christianity, which is your destiny. Let me demonstrate it this way. You'll have never seen inside this before. This is a Yorkshireman's wallet. <laughs> they do exist. <laughs> but here's a £10 note. Now what if I say to you, this, this £10 note, uh, two years ago, was used to buy a spiff. Was used to buy drugs. Who wants the £10 note? <laughs> What a lovely lot you are. <laughs> oh, what happens if I say, do you know, this, this £10 note contributed uh, to the services of a prostitute 15 years ago? What happens if I say to you that this £10 note paid for a porn channel in a seedy hotel three years ago? What happens if I say that this Dirty £10 note was once stolen. Or it was used to pay a gambling debt. Or it was used for a bribe. I want to ask you, who now wants my dirty £10 note? Joan, I'm going to give it to you. Then you'll remember this. You have my £10 note and you can do what you want with it, Joan. I don't know, John. You might want to get a fancy hairdo. I don't know. <laughs> but you'll remember the illustration, John. So will I. <laughs> you may, John, but I need to finish. asking for someone to come with a, a, a shouting the trumpet and a rallying call of what it means to walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. We were praying that we want to see God moved by his spirit in this place. Mm -hmm. We want to see this town touched by God. Mm -hmm. and we want to see a new revival in this town. We want to see the church ablaze for Christ, yeah. to bring honour and glory to his name. Preach it, John. And we want to be filled with the Spirit of yeah. God, the power. Well, yeah. I for one say, Lord, I want to be filled to overflowing because I do expect more to come. And you are the answer God has brought this morning, right? In answer to the prayers. Thank that you, John. So the Lord really bless you. Thank you, John. So as my dearest friend John has said, <laughs> John understands that our government put a value of £10 on that piece of paper. No matter what it's ever been through, what it's become, how it's become disfigured, it is still worth £10. 
And equally, no matter what journey you've been on for 40 years, for 50 years, for 60 years, for 70 years, you are of that same value. And this God wants to use you. You have not diminished one iota, one penny. And you need to reclaim your value as a Christian. And understand that you are called. And you are empowered. And you will be used to make a difference if you raise your level of expectancy. And we collectively with London Road Baptist Church and other believing churches in this town can make a difference if we do it with expectancy. And that's the message that Peter and John want to share with you and me this morning. And it's all wrapped up in that one name made available to that lame man. And you too can rise up and be different this morning in the name of Jesus. But more than that, you can begin leaping and praising God and bin your inhibitions and start living and acting in faith. And for those of you who have jumped up to meet Jesus some time ago, maybe God is saying to you and me, it's really time to become a Peter and John. It's time for you to act not in here, but outside this temple. And tell people who you work with, who you meet with, who you live with, you can be made whole in Jesus' name. And so that's my message this morning. Some of you here need to raise your level of expectancy. If that resonates with you, we're going to pray for some people this morning. Maybe you're somebody who just wants a boost. And you say, Lord, raise my level of expectancy because I've been complacent with this thing called Christianity. It's become a routine and it's become a ritual. Maybe for some of you, there is healing. You've come this morning and you're just sick of some chronic pain. And you've sort of ceased to believe that this God will heal. He's going to heal everybody else, but maybe God wants to heal you this morning. Why doesn't he want to heal you this morning? Maybe he won't, but by heck, if you don't raise your level of expectancy, you'll never find out. Maybe you're just dull. Have a look at the person next to you. Do they need to look a little bit more joyful? Send your spouses out. If you're married to somebody miserable, my wife says I'm like Victor Meldrew since I've got older. I, I tut. I don't know if you're like me, but I can't watch Question Time without tutting. Now, I, 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 my wife would say, I need to pray for you, Neil, that you'd have a spirit of joy, you miserable son. So. So maybe you're dry and you want God to give you a spirit of joy. Maybe you desire to see signs and wonders, not so that you can glorify. If you want to see signs and wonders for you to glorify, then you've missed the understanding. But if you want to see signs and wonders so that others can glorify, then maybe say, God, what's my ministry? Do you want have you given me a healing ministry? And 
Do you know, there's only one way you find out if you've got a healing ministry. It's to fly by your pants and to lay a hand on somebody and make a prayer that makes you feel sick as you're going to pray it. Because you hold it together. There's one side of your emotion saying, God ain't going to act and I'm going to look at right doors over here. So we need to know what it is to pray expectantly. And maybe some of you just are not satisfied with the way that you witness. And you want to say this morning, Lord, I want to be a witnesser. I want to be a witnesser for you. And I want to take some fresh steps in your name and be a bit different because I came to a service here this morning at LCC.